Hello and welcome to One Star Bazaar. We review the movies critics hated in search of the unfairly underrated. This week we feature a frequent flyer here on the podcast and review the Michael Bay-helmed Bad Boys 2. The threequel of Bad Boys for Life is currently in theaters, so we thought the franchise deserved a revisit. Bad Boys 2 was directed by Michael Bay, written by a lot of people, George Gallo, Ron Shelton, Jerry Stahl, Ian Lafrenes, Lafrené, uh-huh. uh, Cormac Wibberly, and Marianne Wibberly, was released in theaters July 18th, 2003, starring Will Smith, Martin Lawrence, and Gabrielle Union. The synopsis is, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence are back! And oh so bad, on the streets of Miami in Bad Boys 2, playing two loose cannon narcotics cops investigating the flow of ecstasy into Florida from a Cuban drug cartel. Bad Boys 2 has a 23% on Rotten Tomatoes, a 38% on Metacritic, but is liked by a whopping 92% of Google users. John Karamanica of The Village Voice said Bad Boys 2 plays like a flashy highlight reel from Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Like that's a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Rea of the Philadelphia Inquirer said despite some awesomely choreographed stunts and the two stars pedal to the metal appeal, the movie seems endless. Peter Travers from Rolling Stone called it the cinematic equivalent of toxic waste. <laughs> Harsh. So this is available on Netflix. And it wasn't until we started watching this movie that I realized Jonathan has not seen Bad Boys. <laughs> yeah. So I was asking her questions and I'm like, or she was answering. She's like, oh, well, if you remember from the first one, like, Will Smith is a trust fund baby, and that's why he's a cop who drives a Ferrari. And I was like, remember from the first one? I've never seen the first one. And then... And then she was shocked. I was shocked. So, he has only seen this one, which I'm actually kind and actually, of curious about. I like, think I had seen this movie before, like, in college. I think I had a friend who had a lot of DVDs, and we watched a lot of them, because we had nothing better to do. And I just didn't remember it. My knowledge of Bad Boys 2 prior to this was essentially all I learned from Hot Fuzz. You ain't seen Bad Boys 2. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so let's go ahead and talk about the acting. You have two veteran comedic actors, Will Smith. Will Smith's not really a comedic actor. He's, he's just was, an actor. What was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air? That was a comedy. It was a sitcom. Okay. But even before that, he was a rapper. So he's like a rapper turned comedic actor turned action star turned dramatic leading man slash oscar contender yeah i mean that's a heck of an evolution for a career i'll tell you what and martin lawrence did stand up for a long time no so. he's definitely and he had his own show his yeah. own sitcom which i mean that was the thing in the 90s that doesn't really happen anymore right like big famous stand-up comedians don't really get their own like TV shows where it's like, boom, you know, Didn't Seinfeld. did Carlos Mencia have one? I don't know. A lot of, I mean, it still happens. I'm just saying it's not as big. Yeah. Like, a lot of the big sitcoms aren't necessarily like, hey, let's give this guy, he's really funny, his own show. Right. The way that it was in the 90s. Anyway, back to Bad Boys 2. Like, okay, so the acting, the acting is solid. 
there's not really a problem with the acting or the writing as far as when it comes to the writing, like the dialogue. Okay. Okay. So usually we have the issue where it's like, oh, well, is it the actors that are bad or is it that they're doing the best they can with poor dialogue? Which is what we had in Winchester where it was like, no, the actors are doing fine. It's what they're forced to read that's bad. (laughs) the, The problem here... And I'm just kind of segueing into the writing, I guess. But we can talk about acting again. We just kind of ping pong. Just say, yeah, acting's um, fine. Great. Yeah, all right, the acting's On great. to the writing. No, but I have more to say about the stars. Okay, we'll come back to that in a sec. Maybe <laughs> towards the end. The problem with the story is like the Lone Ranger and other movies we've watched. It's just too freaking long. It is. This a movie ch- is so long. It's, it is a two and a half hour movie. Like the one, the. Uh, it took us two days to watch it. Stephen Rea of the Philadelphia Inquirer, whose review I read earlier, um, he was right. The movie seems endless. It just goes on and on. And in a way, I appreciate that because. Definitely, you cannot say that the story is rushed. Like, they do. Yeah. They definitely set up all of these different characters and and storylines. And they play it out. Like, nothing really gets unresolved. Well, uh, one thing gets unresolved that annoyed you Which severely. One? That the you never knew if the people who cleared out that office building were oh, yeah, actually were cops dirty or cops or, or if they were pretending to be cops. Yeah, that was weird. And there's just... Okay, in a way, I almost felt like I was watching, like, multiple episodes of Burn Notice, where it's like, you know, that was a show, it was, like, it was on cable, so it was a shorter season, like, 12 or 14 episodes a season or something, 16, and it would have a season-long arc where it's like, oh, here's the bad guy for the whole season, but then every episode had its own little thing. This was like watching, like, a, something like that, where it's like the the... the the multi-episode long arc mm-hmm. and the little things happening along the way like oh we got to go to the morgue and we got to investigate this and then yeah this honestly seemed like three episodes of a tv show <laughs> or maybe four because i mean i guess those would be like 40 so minutes two and a half hours yeah then. it'd be like three to four episodes of a tv show so um that was my issue i don't know if that's the directing just an editing not not really making a cohesive concise story I feel like when it comes to the writing, the fact that there are five, no, six, six writers credited on this film, (laughs) that tells me a lot of cooks in that kitchen and all putting in their, their little storyline bits and almost like a TV show would be written. Right. So. (laughs) Despite that though, I mean, yeah, it's long, but you can't deny it's an engaging movie. No, it, it is. I mean, it's here's the thing. For whatever critics want to say about this, these movie this this is like the precursor to what Fast and the Furious is now. That's true. Except, <laughs> and I I mean I, we haven't seen Bad Boys for Life. I don't. We probably will when it comes to HBO or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I definitely want to see because we don't have a dollar theater anymore. It'd be the kind of movie we would see at the dollar theater, but that closed down near us. So. I wonder how how close Bad Boys for Life will be to what the current incarnations of Fast and the Furious franchise are. Mm-hmm. Because Bad Boys 2 seems like you could easily slot that type of movie with that level of action, that type of story, into like the Fast 4 to 5 
right? Before yeah. things, like, really got ridiculous, soap yeah. opera, action, like, Mission Impossible levels. I'm going to fly this car. Yeah, exactly. So, like, in, what, Fast 4 or 5, they do have, like, a drug cartel do, or yeah. something, right? There's a drug cartel in Mexico. I think it was, like, go up against. 5, 5 or 6, definitely 6 was where, like, Fast and the Furious really was, like, oh, you know, Mission Impossible movies are doing crazy stuff with climbing the Burj Khalifa and helicopter fights and whatever. Oh, yeah, we'll watch this, you know. So this is definitely, like, what people think of, like, 90s, yeah. early 2000s action movies. I mean, that's what this is, and, right? And, I mean, now so many movies are two and a half hours. Like, it's no longer unusual to have a two and a half hour movie. Looking at Endgame, Infinity War, like some of the Harry Potter the problem movies. I with, like those are okay. Those are big, like big IP franchise movies or like Oscar movies. Okay, mm-hmm. Dances with Wolves is really long. I still like that movie. I mean, I don't like want to sit down and watch it right now. But, yeah. like, I've seen it a few times, and it's a movie I could enjoy seeing probably every ten years. I mean, there is certainly stuff that could have been cut out of this movie, and it still would have made sense. Yeah. Like, some of the little side things with the bad guy's mother, and the bit with the rats, just, and, yeah. and I think all that stuff could have easily been There's removed. probably one or two chase, you know, car chase action sequences that we could have done without. And then, of course, they randomly go to Cuba at the end. They don't Randomly I mean, it's not random, that. but... In... It's foreshadowed in the beginning when the bad guy is talking about the new beautiful house he's building in Cuba. So, obviously, uh, okay. and back then, yeah. you couldn't go to couldn't Cuba, go to Cuba. unless you, you were Cuban. Right. And, okay, one thing I want to talk about, too, is... And the climax of this movie is insane. Okay, so... They take a Hummer... Like an H2, like whatever Hummer plug was hot at the time. Yes. And drive it down a mountainside covered in drug, like, shanties. Yes. And they're driving through a city. They're driving through a, like a, what would you call it? Um, Like Like a. a Projects or. No, because it's it's more shoddily built. Like a. I feel like Shantytown is the best yeah. <laughs> thing for yeah. it. I mean, yeah, like um, a peasant drug farmer. Yeah. Or, you know, coat, whatever. Like the equivalent of, like, an American trailer park. But, sure. But, like, built with nothing but corrugated metal and some sticks. Um, and then, so inexplicably, everything blows up. But, oh, no, it all blows up because this is where they cook the drugs. So they have explosive things on hand. Sure. And then there's this big, like, showdown outside the American... Oh, no, outside Guantanamo Guantanamo. Bay. (laughs) And they're like, you're in a minefield. What are you doing? And they're all like, oh, snap. That was lucky that we haven't stepped on a landmine yet. We got thrown out of our car, but magically didn't hit any mines. But, yeah, no, it's definitely Fast and Furious-esque in that way at the end. Do you feel like for all the cartoonishness of the bad guy, he actually wasn't even that, like... So, scary? Yeah, so he's very, what's the word, like, stereotypical. Yes. He's, like, exactly what you would imagine when you hear, like, Cuban drug lord. Right. And 
Like, he, the only scary, intimidating thing he did was bring in the dude's, like, bodyguard in yeah. a bucket Yeah, so basically he has his henchmen, like, chop up this guy, and so... To scare he, Peter Stormare, yeah. the boss, into so he, handing over his... You know, it's the, this is my town, Yeah, you know, he's I'm like, gonna I'm gonna, gonna chop out. up your family next. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like villains like that, they're... I mean, you find out later he is willing to kind of pull the trigger and do stuff himself, yeah. but most of his power and intimidation is that he has these people like willing to do anything for him, basically. Right. But yeah, he's not traditionally scary. Like, he's no kingpin, you know? <laughs> he's not going to, like, crush you with his right. bare hands. Well, yeah. And I'm thinking, maybe I'm thinking it because we just saw the um, Birds of Prey movie. Oh, yeah. And, like... They cut off people's faces in that movie. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> and this guy just seems tame in comparison. Yeah. He's like, yeah, kill that guy and shot him up. But you don't see it. Like, it's a big shocker. Like, they bring out the dude in a bucket. Yeah. And you're like, oh, dang. But I almost feel like it's more queasy and, and scary when it's literally like they bring him into the room and there they are, like, chopping up the dude or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you see it. So, like, in Snatch, for example, I love the scene where he brings the guy out of the room and his his henchmen have the guy's friends. Mm -hmm. Like, they're, like, taping them up and tying them, like, ready to take them off in body bags to, like, suffocate them and feed them to pigs. It's much more, like, grisly because they're literally doing the bad, the scary thing right. versus um, just, like, oh, yeah, here's your friend, you know. <laughs> There, it's his. There's his hands or whatever. There's the 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 ring that we recognize from that he the guy was wearing five minutes ago or whatever. Yeah. Okay, so that let's go back to our. I guess we can jump into what it did well. Okay. Yes. Would you say is this movie like peak Will Smith action star? Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. Okay. So he's in Independence Day. Actually, he's in. The first, when does the first Bad Boys come out? Around that time too, right? In no particular order, because I don't really want to look it up. We have Independence Day, Men in Black, Bad Boys, the original movie, uh, Wild Old West, which while it bombed, I mean, still appealed to childhood me, whatever I was like I 12. love Wild <laughs> Okay. Um, I know it gets a lot of flack looking back, but I mean, I enjoyed it when I was a preteen or teenager or whatever I was. Um, you have... And then obviously Men in Black had a sequel. And then this came out. Um, what else? He was in Ali. That was really like he... I mean, he was amazing in that movie. Right? Uh, I don't yeah. know if you've seen it. but I haven't. He's awesome. And uh, nominated for an Oscar. So really this was kind of... This was the peak of Will Smith's career. Like the late 90s and early 2000s was the peak of his career. After that, you know, it went downhill and he started doing kind of... I don't even remember... After Earth and you know Gemini so, Man. <laughs> well, that was that was this year or last yeah. year, but um, definitely started making some poorer choices. Yeah, certainly um, the quality of his box office. Actually, I would say he didn't really he didn't really fall off until like this past decade because towards the end of the two thousands decade he was in Pursuit of Happiness, which also was Oscar dramatic, yeah, nominee um, thing. And he was in Hancock, which actually a lot of people on Reddit I've seen 
think is a really underrated movie, and like the problem with it is that it's two movies. I haven't seen all of it, but like it's it's disjointed. <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's almost like, and I don't know if that's what like a director came in and got fired and they had somebody else finish it, or if or what happened. But people are like, oh yeah, the first half is really awesome, and then it just kind of um, yeah, it gets a little weird. And I am Legend. That was kind of again. He's starting to the movies were still okay. But they were starting to, like, after that, they started to peter off. So, yeah. um, that's good, I would say. Like, we were literally watching, like, one of the awesome 90s action stars at the top of his game. Yeah. Right? And this is the kind of movie people were like, oh, like, I think Will Smith just does a good job playing Will Smith. Well, guess what? This movie? <laughs> oh, he's Will Smith. Right? Yeah. And this and probably Independence Day, I would say, are, like... You want to see what you want? You want a Will Smith movie, like action movie? There you go. Yeah. Like that's that's Will Smith in a nutshell. And then Martin Lawrence, like the chemistry is really good. I think they do for sure. And you know, part of that, I mean, I honestly, it's been so long since I've seen the first one. I don't know if their chemistry is as good in that one. Yeah. But yeah, they kill it in this movie for sure. I think Martin Lawrence is kind of an underrated like sidekick supporting actor kind of guy in comedy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So Well he was in Wild Hogs. I know that's, that. that's kind of what I'm going with is that <laughs> he actually does a decent job being kind of the comedic relief on the sides, you know, sarcastic, snap you like he's like a he's like a more funny version of Murtaugh from uh Lethal Weapon, you know, the I'm getting too old for this mm -hmm. kind of kind of mentality and except more surly and, and, yeah. and funny about it instead of just being like on a grumpy old man. Yeah. Which is appreciated. And the two just play off each other really well, I think. Yeah. And he also, I mean, his character has the more stable life. He has, you know, a wife, he has kids and he just wants to like make it home at the end of the day. <laughs> he just right. wants to do his job and right. go home and like be safe. Of course, and, then we have the storyline where Will Smith is now dating his sister, but doesn't want, they don't want, well, one, Will, Will doesn't want him to know, right? Yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah, Martin Lawrence's character is kind of a high-stress individual. Right. <laughs> and, or does, yeah, Will Smith does not want Martin Lawrence to know that he's dating his sister. <laughs> and then, at the same time, she's actually undercover for the DEA. Right. So. And isn't actually just a lawyer like she's pretending to be. Oh, I didn't get that. Did she tell? Yeah. Then that she's just like a lawyer or like yeah. behind a desk or something? Uh-huh. Huh. Okay. I didn't remember that part. Okay. So, Michael Bay. Can we talk about him for a minute? Yes. I feel like Michael Bay is kind of... No. Okay, I can't say that. I was going to say he's like the Nicolas Cage of, of directors, but that's not fair to Nicolas Cage. Because at least... Like, the difference is Michael Bay... Hey, Nick Cage has an Oscar. No, I know. <laughs> no. The reason I bring that up is because Nicolas Cage is this weird dichotomy of, like, he can be a really great actor, but he can also be a really awful actor, and people can't tell if he's good, right? As oh, yeah. That was the kind of the joke in the Community episode where they talked about that. Um, which I, you know, everybody knows Community, right? But, sure. The TV show. <laughs> no. So Michael Bay is never really good. Is the difference? That's why I, I gotta take back that comparison. Because Michael Bay isn't like, oh, he makes Oscar-winning films, and then he also makes garbage. Because that's almost more like Steven Spielberg at this point, right? <laughs> Steven Spielberg is—he makes more good than bad, but he's made some some duds. 
Um, no, Michael Bay is really like hated by kind of millennial cinephile internet people, right? Yeah, people kind of he's kind like of to trash like, a, him. like a joke. Yeah. Here's the thing. I think he's a better director than people give him credit for, and I honestly wonder if he just does not care. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, he is just the, I don't care, I want money, like, I just want to work, I want to make the cool movies that, basically, as a lover of, of cars and Top Gear and the, you know stuff like that, I'm going to make this comparison. Michael Bay wants to be Lamborghini and does not care about being Ferrari. Does that make sense? Like, no. <laughs> okay. Why would that make sense to me? Okay. You should say, Let me like, back. Stop. Michael Bay is like, uh, I don't even know, like, a Kia in one step? No. Like, no, those no, no, are no, no, things no, no. I can no. understand. Okay, let me explain. Ferrari, here's my analogy. Ferrari wants to make the best cars, the fastest, the most powerful, the most agile and handling they don't care the price they don't care you know that yeah they're only going to sell 200 of them they just are like this is literally the best like you cannot design a more perfect car than we have built we are amazing because we make the best okay mm-hmm. lamborghini has more and maybe there's people at lamborghini who feel that way too i'm sure but lamborghini is more the yeah we don't care about that we're going to make the cars that 11-year-old you would love to drive. Yeah, we don't care about the cost because, you know, it's going to have crazy power and speed and handling whatever, but it's not the point. Like, we're not trying to be an engineering marvel the way the Ferrari's cars are. We want to be something that's so amazingly cool and, like, blows the minds of 12-year-olds. Does that make sense? Like, Lamborghini, you wouldn't be surprised if you saw a Lamborghini that had, like, rocket launchers and lasers and, you know, like, like a, like a Batmobile, like, okay. you know, flame jet on the back. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. <laughs> okay. I'm channeling my inner Richard Hammond here. Um, my point is, in a really what convoluted way. What is now a car podcast, apparently. apparently. Okay. <laughs> The point is, I feel like Michael Bay maybe does not care about making good films. I would actually be really interested to see if he, like, ever he, wanted to. Ever did. I mean, I think he tried because if you look at his his filmography. Yeah. So yeah, Bad Boys in the Rock or like actiony whatever. Yeah. Armageddon, Pearl Harbor. I think he did try. You think so? To make that. Kind of a more. You wanted to make like an epic war drama yeah. that would like be nominated for Oscars. And then he got and a bunch of Transformers movies, and then he did. That's what I'm saying. He did 13 hours. Um, okay. So, yeah, he probably wanted yeah. that to be more serious. Yeah. I don't so know. I think I think he has tried a couple times, but I will say. Michael Bay will be returning to the podcast because we'll be watching Six Underground oh, sometime this he, season. Did he make that? Yeah. Really? Okay. Haven't you seen like all the commercials? There's a Super Bowl commercial where he's like in a car dealership buying, or maybe it wasn't the Super Bowl commercial. There's a commercial where he's in a car dealership buying like a whole bunch of the cars that they use in the movie. Oh. And 
Um, they're talking about all the features of it, and the he's sales like, guy's yeah. like, "What are you gonna do with these?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, we're just gonna blow them up." Like, <laughs> and yeah, he is in this movie, by the way, Michael Bay. He had a cameo in this film. Did he? He was the guy that they stole the car. Oh. From. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Not the one with Dan Marino. That was they like yeah. stole his car, and then they're like, "No, this car sucked." And they stole Dan Marino's car that he was test driving. Yeah. Later. Which is um, a blatant ad for, for Chrysler or Cadillac, Cadillac yeah. whatever it was. Okay. Anyway, so Michael Bay, I don't know, I feel like he just doesn't care. He just wants to make fun, like, and, action-y, I mean, blockbuster explosion movies. movies. I mean, his, his money make movies. His movies make money. <laughs> his movies do make money. I mean, so. yeah. Especially, like, with how movies like Transformers play really well overseas now. Like, mm-hmm. even if it fails here. Yeah, like we fell is. asleep watching Age of Extinction, so we have not seen Last Night yet, no. but supposedly that one's better. <laughs> yeah, whatever. I don't care. I'm over Transformers <laughs> as of, like, eight so, years ago. for not knowing anything about Bad Boys coming into this movie, uh-huh. like, what did you think of it? I thought it was a generic 90s action movie, which I guess it's 2003, but it's, you know... The 90s didn't really end until 2003, because that's when I graduated from high school. So, you know, <laughs> it was still the 90s, because I'm a 90s kid, and that's when I became an adult, was 2003. Sure. Uh, so, <laughs> um... So is this a one-star movie? Probably not, but it's like a two-star what? movie. Probably not. No, okay, it's not a one-star movie. It's not. And and I honestly bet if you had a bunch of critics go back and, like, re... In light of what... I'll, say, I'll tell you this, this movie is probably influential, because yeah. I honestly do feel like this movie paved the way for... Yeah, because if, especially if you look at, like, the first Fast and Furious movie, which came out... Which is um, Point Break, by the way. Yeah, it's, it is Point Break. Um, <laughs> and but, not at all ridiculous <laughs> and crazy, it's literally like a series. It came out in 2001, yeah. the sequel came out in 2003, so right. around the same time as this, this right. did, but... It wasn't till after this movie that the Fast and Furious movies got a little bit crazier. Two, a, okay, Fast 2 was kind of crazy. I mean, it was still within the realm of normal street racing crazy, but they were doing stuff like, hey, let's let's drift our car underneath a semi-truck because the yeah. height of our car is, you know, two inches shorter than yes, the bottom of the truck. which is why, like, all semi-trucks now have that, that thing that... On the sides? On the sides, oh. because too many people were trying to drift oh. under them. You could be. I'm pretty sure. That might be an urban legend. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Also, yeah, in Fast 2, I did rewatch them recently and did live tweet it, because I was bored I'm one sorry. weekend when you were busy. <laughs> and, um, yeah, in the second one, they, like, jump a car off a bridge onto a boat. Yeah, and... <laughs> that's what I'm saying. 2 really was the, kind of, the first yeah. step up. Yeah, but then it's not until after Bad Boys 2 that you get all the explosions and crazy, like, cop-related, like, oh, we're not just going to be street racers, we're going to be, like, crime fighters? Right, no, exactly. They're, like, (laughs) they're basically superheroes. Yeah. And that's the same as Mission Impossible, and I don't have a problem with it. It's entertaining It's entertaining popcorn movies. Like, you just turn off your brain... And you just enjoy it. And, I mean, a lot of the Marvel movies are the same. Some of the Marvel movies are better than that, I think. They're, at least they're smarter written, right? Mm-hmm. But kind of the, the all the mid... 
all the mid-tier Marvel movies where you're kind of like, oh yeah, okay, like literally same formula as the last, it's yeah. another five. So I'm kind of going to ask um, the same question I asked after we watched whatever James Bond movie we watched. A View to a Kill. A View to a Kill. Okay. Is Bad Boys 2 kind of like ahead of its time for this type of action movie? Because I feel like every action movie now does what Bad Boys 2 did. Um, maybe. To answer your question, Fast and the Furious 4, would, called whatever, just called Fast and Furious, really? Yes. It's God, they named those movies so badly. <laughs> As a 29% of Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. Okay? So it qualifies for our podcast. Yes. It's a 46% of Metacritic, which is only about 8% more than this film has. Did you so, find this movie on Metacritic? Because I didn't. Find this? Find oh, what? Bad Boys 2. Okay, no, never mind. No, I was researching about, a different movie. I'm talking about Fast and Furious. Yes, Fast right and Furious. Okay. Okay. Continue. However, Fast 5, 6, 7 all have like 70%. <laughs> so obviously, I'm going to say yes, this movie was ahead of its time. Not because it might actually have been better if it had come out a few years later, but more that if this movie had built the same sort of franchise, yeah. and they had made, like, six more of these, mm -hmm. they probably would have gone the path... They would have. It would have been Fast and the Furious instead of Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Right? For sure. So it would have filled that void. Because mm -hmm. clearly there is that void. And they yes. keep making these movies because <laughs> they're very popular. So I'm going to say yes. You probably would have had, like, a Justin Wynn-directed, you know, Bad Boys movie... Who did Michael Bay do his newest one? Like, did uh, he come back for... No. Okay. He probably... He passed off the reins. Yes, to... A couple of European dudes. Yes, so Bad Boys 2, possibly ahead of its time. <laughs> I do feel like it would be a movie where I bet if critics went back and re-rated it. Or... And one thing I think that critics don't necessarily think... And obviously, here's the thing. Disclaimer... For the purposes of our podcast, we use aggregate sites. And we totally recognize the problem with aggregate sites, right? Yeah. Just a refresher, because it's been like a season since we talked about it. Rotten Tomatoes is based on kind of a thumbs-up scale. Almost like Siskel and Ebert or Ebert and Roper, whatever the hell they are now. Or yeah. They're not even around. <laughs> but the point is, if you give it a thumbs-up and I give it a thumbs-up and she gives it a thumbs-up and that's it, it's like 100% of Rotten Tomatoes. Right. Because we all, even if we all say it's barely a thumbs up, it's like a 60%, it would still just say, hey, it has a perfect score because everyone liked it. Whereas what it needs to have is like, you have to have statistically a thousand people, let's say, or a hundred people or whatever, somewhere in between. And they all, they all rate it. And then it says, oh, you know, it was liked by 30% of critics. Um, so it has a 30%, so generally disliked, most critics hated it, or most critics just disliked it. And so that, again, that's the problem with Rotten Tomatoes. Metacritic has a bit more of a... They have like a, they won't even say yeah. how they do it. They like secretly a secret weigh... Algorithm. And... But the point is, they try to be a little more precise on what critics, where critics pay it, right? right? Which is why often a movie with like a 20% of Rotten Tomatoes, that most critics agree is bad, might still have like a 45% on Metacritic, because... Most critics agree it's bad, but they agree it's only kind of bad. Not necessarily, like, one of the worst movies ever bad. Right. And so Rotten Tomatoes is a little more extreme. It either goes, like, way extreme high or way extreme low um, compared to Metacritic. So 
That being said, I have a feeling that if this movie were to be kind of revisited by a lot of critics, mm-hmm. I bet its score would improve. Yeah. At least on Metacritic. And I feel like Rotten Tomatoes even the same thing. Like, if you had a bunch of people from our generation who grew up watching it, because the problem is all these dudes who watched this in 2003, they were all in their 40s and 50s at the time, which means now they're in their 70s. Right. <laughs> okay, Take a bunch of millennials who were, like us, in high school when this came out, or just out of high school. They're the ones doing the movie critic jobs now, or, like, taking over. You know, they're the new generation of film critics. And they're maybe not writing for, like, New York Times or Rolling Stone, but they're certainly writing for, like, Vox and Slate and all these online magazines, right? Mm -hmm. And so they are probably, would look at it and say, oh, yeah, no. I like that. It's a fun action movie. Like, it's probably, you know, and then you would have it kind of rescored it. It'd probably yeah. be like a 45%, I would bet. So that's a roundabout, long, and complicated way of explaining that, no, this is not a one-star movie. It is probably like a two, two-and-a-half-star movie. Um, Which is typical of a popcorn movie. That's true. No, like, it's totally. When you have these big summer blockbusters, they're typically not great they're in that from a two traditional to, film two to four star range but they're entertaining and five skill they're a great way to spend a couple hours in air conditioning <laughs> during the summer do you wish you had not rewatched this movie of course not because you watch this movie every like three two years or something right no i have not watched this in a really long time okay. like, like i don't think stuff, i don't right? think i've watched it since we've been married but well, that's a long time. <laughs> but I mean, as I watched, like, when we first started it, I didn't remember a lot of it. But then as we watched it, I, like, remembered more and more of, like, what was coming next. Yeah. Um, Especially, like, the end scene when I was just sort of laughing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I remember how this movie ends. And it started the bit with the Hummer, like, driving down the... The hill. It was amazing. Okay. I think this movie definitely holds up really well. Like, no part of it seems super outdated. Right. I mean, and we're talking about a time when I feel like police procedural kind of movies weren't as, or, and shows, shows yeah. weren't as rampant as they are oh, now. so, there's, that's all So, it was CBS-ish. more interesting to see. And one of the things I think that kind of is really underrated in this movie is uh, the performance of the captain. Joey Pants. Joey, Joey Pantoliano. Joe Pantoliano. Yeah. He is incredible in this movie. He's pretty good in a lot um, of stuff. That he he's, does. he's just like this, the typical, like, super angry captain yeah. who just hates everything. The He's like, why are you causing all these problems yeah. for me, basically? How do you blow up a boat or whatever it was that they did? Or how, <laughs> yeah. like, you're driving a car. How did you destroy a boat or whatever yeah. it is? And so bringing up it's po- such a fun movie to watch. Bringing up TV police yeah. shows, I do feel like that's one way in which you could say this movie was more influential and kind of ahead of its time. Mm-hmm. Because I can think of TV shows. I mean, now granted, there were TV like Miami Vice, right, <laughs> was in the eighties, and so that's they're in Miami. That's a precursor. But like again, like a show like Burn Notice or I can't, you know, NCIS LA. Some of these like kind of actiony. Like TV spy shows or whatever, yeah. definitely, or you know, cop spy. I mean, cop shows—they blur the line where you're like, really, you're a police officer, not a secret agent, but apparently you're. Yeah, both. well, because in this um, one, they're like they're a they're a special task force. 
force. Right. So they're not like uniformed police officers. Right. They're not detectives. They're like undercover kind of dudes. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see how this, this kind of was influential in many, many media forms. Um, or at least movies like this. Yeah. Right? So should people watch Bad Boys too? Even if they haven't seen Bad Boys. I mean, shockingly, Bad Boys for Life is actually really well-reviewed right now. It is. Right? Yeah, it has like a 70-something, right? So, that was surprising to me. Was that surprising to you? No. What was surprising to me is a lot of the young people I used to work with had no idea it was, it was the a, third movie yeah. in a franchise. They just thought it was like a standalone. Well, it is kind of odd. Okay, so the first one came out in the mid-90s, yeah. right? Like 95 or 96. And the second one came out almost 10 years later. Yeah, 2003. And now we are 17 years, 16 years later. Yeah. Um, or I know it, is, it came out in 2020, so 17 years later. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, are we going to have Bad Boys 4? Where, like, they're both in their 60s and they, like, really... They come up to come out of retirement, you know? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I mean, you haven't seen it, so we don't know how it ends. Does but... it annoy you? Does it annoy you that Bad Boys for Life is not the fourth movie? It yeah, really bothers me. me. <laughs> they needed to just make a third one, a forgettable... Th it could have been the Tokyo Drift of Bad Boys. <laughs> it would have been a... Basically, like a direct to, <laughs> direct streaming, to streaming sequel Netflix. with totally different character, like actors and characters, and then they're like, "No, no, that didn't happen." But this is the fourth one, so we could call it Bad Boys for Life with its Bad Boys for. Like how it also bothered you that Fate of the Furious was not F eight of the yes. Furious. <laughs> Why was it not F eight? That's eight. Fate of the Furious. Anyway, okay. <laughs> um, am I reading this? Are you reading? Oh, we're just ending it now. Well, <laughs> oh, no, you can keep talking. No, it's what fine. else do you have to say? We Anything have else? To do. No. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of One Star Bazaar. As always, you can reach out to us on social media to let us know what you think or what you'd like us to review next. Please rate and review if you're willing, as it lets us know you're listening, and we greatly appreciate the feedback. Keeping the sequel theme alive, next week we review the internationally panned. Men in Black International. See you then.